Okay, well, I've got to say I had a number of things. I mean, last week I didn't get to preach what I was going to preach, and this week I started thinking about something else that I wanted to preach, and goodness knows, it's not always easy, but then I looked at some faces and I thought, nope, I'm going to talk about the love of the Father, as Jesus talked about him in uh, Luke 15, okay, and this, the, the first two verses, so Luke 15, of the first two verses were the only two verses that I managed to get to last week, um, but it says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him and to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them, beautiful. And of course, that's what I was talking about, the way that Jesus receives us. He receives us. And of course, the complaint of the Pharisees and the scribes was that Jesus was receiving sinners. And by that, of course, it was just normal people like you and I. Jesus was receiving them, and he received them in a beautiful way. He enjoyed being with sinners. He enjoyed being with publicans and tax collectors and prostitutes and... He enjoyed it. He received them and said, come to me. And he had this ability not to judge because the grace of God, since he was a boy at 12 years old, the grace of God was upon him. And that means that he had the ability, because grace gives you the ability to look at someone without judgment. That's what grace does. Um, wisdom gives you the ability to speak and to do and to act in the right way whilst you've got that grace in your life. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Wisdom and grace going together. So wisdom gives you the ability to do what you need to do at the right time, in the right place, and in the right way. And grace gives you the ability to do it without judgment. Beautiful. That's good, isn't it? Man, that was good. I like that. That's what grace and wisdom really are. Um... So Jesus had this amazing ability, and we all need that amazing ability. And today, you've got to understand, when, the, when, the, when Jesus spoke of a parable, of course, he was speaking about a certain aspect, or a certain, a certain small number of aspects. He wasn't talking about everything. He was just saying, the kingdom of heaven could be likened to this, or the Father's heart could be likened to this. He wasn't you know, because if, if you look at some things and begin to take them apart, you go, well, actually, Jesus missed out a little bit. Yeah, but that's because he was talking about a certain aspect. And this morning, I want to talk about catching the Father's heart. We have to catch the Father's heart. You, you've got to get a hold of the Father's heart, not only for your own life, but for everybody around you. We've got to see how the Father sees, feel how the Father feels. You know, be, be, have, have the emotions and the feet, because the Father does have emotions, you realise that. God has emotions, despite what we may have been taught. God, of course, created all our emotions. He, he is, it, or sh shall we say, it flows from him. Everything of emotion flows from him. Um. So anyway, this, this story, as you know, starts with a request. The request was simple. The younger son asked for his share of the inheritance. 
And that might not seem so bad at first glance, but actually, in this culture, it was uh, seen as a mortal sin to do that. Um, this, is, this is what the... They were brought up, the Jewish people, Israel was brought up knowing that if they honoured their parents, then the honour came with a, a promise. And the promise was, if you will honour your parents, you will have a long and prosperous life. Of course, that's in Deuteronomy somewhere. You all know the, the, the scripture. So, so there was a commandment with a promise. And honouring uh, mum and dad, honouring the generations in front of us, is very important. And I was talking to someone the other day, uh, and I was saying how wonderful it is to be able to have generations of sons. So, so not just one generation down, but generations of sons who come after you. And daughters, obviously who come after you and, uh, and follow you. It's a beautiful thing. But, but my generation wants to and needs to take time to thank and honour and bless the generation before us because I am made up of, you know, I'm not... I know you look at me and go, well, that's, that's Paul. But Paul is actually connected in so many ways to so many other people. I am this person that you see, but actually God has used many, many other people in my life to make me this person. So, of course, I honour God, but when I say that I honour God, well, I also honour the people whom God has used in my life to make me into this person that I am. Whether they were teachers, whether it's my mum and dad, uh, whether it's my spiritual uh, father, or there's many, many people that have helped to form me into this person that I now am. And of course, God is at the bottom of all that. But we must learn to honour our mother and father. We must learn to honour the generation above us. And of course, I'm really excited that uh, the younger generation, of course, they have new ways of communicating why, why is it wonderful that Adam is the pastor of the church and not me? It's wonderful because Adam has a different way of speaking. He has a different way of communicating. He has a different way of seeing and perceiving. And that's a beautiful thing because he understands perhaps the generation that he is part of even better than I do. And then there's other generations that are coming up that will understand the generation below them again. So we need one another all the time, but we must learn how to honour one another. So honour was a big thing in this culture, still is a big, a big thing. Um, it's, it's interesting as well, I just put this, that dishonouring your father and your mother undermines yourself. Do you understand that? Now, lots of people say to me, well, you don't, I can't find anything good you know, they'll come and, and, and literally, because they've had a terrible upbringing, they'll go, I can't find anything good to say thank you to my mum and dad about. And I say, well, I'm looking at you. Yeah, you came from them. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing. That you came from your mum and dad. 
It's a beautiful thing. Whether you think it was a coincidence, whether you think you were a mistake, I'm telling you, you weren't. God wanted you here for this moment. It's all been planned. He knew about it. He saw you. And he went, right now is your time. You were not a coincidence. You were not a mistake. You were not any of those things. You are a special treasure, a gift that God has given into the earth right now. And when you think about your mum and dad, even if you're one of those people that struggles, and I have talked to people during the years who struggled because they were abused in some way. They were hurt. They had nothing to say thank you for. But I looked at them and went, no, but you are a product of your mum and dad. There's always something to thank before God. There's always something that you can thank God for. Do you understand me? And we need to start doing that. And we need to see the wonderful things that have been handed down to us. But that's not what I'm talking about. We know this, that even now, uh, and in this culture, honour was a big deal. Defending and restoring honour was considered more important than someone's life. And that happens today. There is a code of honour that considers it more important to honour than to actually look after a precious life. Well, it wasn't far different from that here. In fact, I'm going to read you, and I did read you this before, but I think it's very interesting because you have to get the context of what Jesus is talking about, where he's coming from. So this is what it says in Deuteronomy 21 and verse 18 to 21. It says there, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out, of the el- out to the elders of the city, to the gate of his city, and they shall say to the elders of the city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He won't, will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. Wow. That's the law. That's the law. Yeah, really, that's the law. I read it from Deuteronomy. Terrible, huh? That's all about punishment. The law. It's all about right and wrong and punishment. And the law didn't feel anything. Never does. Law doesn't feel. Doesn't feel anything. Law just goes, this is right, this is wrong, and you were guilty. That's it. Don't feel anything. Um, This son was dishonoring his parents. He was demanding his inheritance long before his time, and as such, he was saying really to everybody, I consider my mum and dad dead to me. I'm off. That's really the context of the parable. That's what Jesus knew. So it's not so much a parable about... uh, a young son who decides to run away, this is a parable about how different the father is to the law. That's what this parable is all about. It's about how different the father's love is to a Pharisee's love, a Pharisee's way of looking at things. Because you remember, the, the, the first thing was that the Pharisees and the Sadducees said, look, He's receiving sinners and publicans and prostitutes and we don't like that fact. It should not happen according to our rule book. 
So Jesus is going, well, I want to tell you the difference between your rule book and my father. Now listen, lots of Christians all over the world have got to learn this. When we keep harping on about the law, we don't do any favors to God. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And he has fulfilled the law. There is only two things that are important now. And these two things, if we do them, we will fulfill the law as well. And this is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all the strength that you have. That's the first thing. Number one, that's what, what, what Jesus said. That's what he wants. And he gave us the ability to do it because he, he made us new. So we can do that. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. These two are the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. Everything. If you do these two things, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will be walking in the will of God. Simple as that. You don't need to keep looking back at the rule book. You need to keep asking yourself, am I stealing from someone? Am I coveting? Am I, what? Do you, you understand me? You, don't need to, you just need to ask a simple question. Is what am I, I am doing right now taking something from another? Or is it something that is in the love of God? And how do we define love? We define love like this. How, how do we know love? 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, We know love because of this. Jesus gave his life for us and died for us and gave everything towards us. That's, that's how we know love. That's what love looks like. So love is this incredible action that gives. It flows from the Father and it gives all the time. That is the Father. How do we know love? We look at Jesus. That's love. You want to know if you were loving? Look at Jesus and go, am I like Jesus? And then, you go, and then there's a little voice that comes along and says, no, no, you're not like Jesus. No, no, you are like Jesus. You are like Jesus. Get used to it. You are like Jesus because he has given you the Holy Spirit within your own life. You are becoming more and more like Jesus all the time. Oh, yes, but I'll never stop giving yourself excuses. Stop, stop it. Stop it. Jesus, once for all, took all sin. That means that actually... You have got the ability to live a life that is different. Not because you're so different, but because he is different and gives you this difference. Everything in you that then is slightly different is actually enhanced and made beautiful. So, by demanding his inheritance, this son was doing not a good thing. Let's put it that way. His behavior as well, we know about his behavior. His attitude was unforgivable, but he also was, he was eating, well, he was doing all sorts of things with harlots. He was in the city having a great time. Uh, great being, yeah, great time. He was having a time. And he was losing everything that the father had given him. But in the end, he was eating with the pigs. Well, can you imagine what that was like in Jewish culture? So everything that Jesus is doing, he's trying to go, look, this is as bad as it could get. 
But actually, I want to show you Father, who is as good as it ever gets. You can't get better than this picture that Jesus is about to show you about the Father. And we desperately need to understand the Father. You see, there's, there's many of us that we, we feel like we want to punish someone. We want to do something to make them know that they are wrong and we're right. Well, that's not the Father. The Father's not like that. The Father's not interested in that. The Father wants you to know how he perceives and looks and feels about everyone around you and about this beautiful world that he's given us. That's what he wants. That's the whole point. So, we could say that the son broke all the rules. That's true, isn't it? He broke all the rules. He, he took his inheritance. He then went to the city. He went, I'm, I consider him dead. This is it. I'm going to make my own way. Everything that he did was a statement. He broke all the rules in that culture at that time and went, I'm going to have me a good time. But this is the truth about the father. The father broke all the rules too. The fa Listen to me. The father broke all his own rules. Everything. That presumably had been spoken earlier, the father broke it. He went beyond it. He was going, no, there's something beyond this written thing, there's something beyond it that is my heart. I want you to catch my heart. That's why I sent Jesus. I want you to look at him. I want you to hear him. I want you to catch my heart. So I've sent down a package and his name is Jesus. And as you watch him, you will see who I really am. That's the way we know who God is. There is no other way really. You know, Muhammad was a prophet, but Muhammad said at the end of his life, I'm still searching for the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. I'm the truth about the Father when you look at me. I'm the truth. If you want to know what the Father is like, look at Jesus. That is the express image of who the Father really is. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And now Jesus is telling about his dad and he's trying to, he's, he's trying to get through this mentality in the people that steals from them. It's stealing all the time. It's stealing joy. It's stealing happiness. It's stealing blessing. It's stealing peace. It's a mentality inside that goes, when you do something wrong, you are going to get punished and I'm going to dole out the punish because when I do that, I feel better. That's how we often feel, isn't it? When, I mean, we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven, aren't we? In so many ways. And I've heard it said many times that people go, well, you don't know who's going to be there. You know, maybe there's going to be some Catholics there. Maybe there's going to be some Muslims there. Maybe there's going to be people there that you never thought are going to be there. And you'll be surprised. But why be surprised? Why not get a heart of love now? Why not get a heart of grace now? Why not begin to go, God, God, you saved me, the greatest of sinners. So surely you can bring anyone into your love. Anyone. It's a beautiful story, this one, sir. Beautiful story. So the father broke all the rules. The father didn't do what the word said. The father didn't bring his son to the elders. In fact, the, the, the father did the exact opposite of doing what, do you understand me? When that boy, when that boy walked down that road, 
Jeff, just stand up and pretend you're walking from the, from the, from the back over there. You're not a sheep today. I once, I, once, I once used Jeff in a leaders' conference as a sheep. He was actually on all fours going around. And we were trying to find him in amongst all these leaders. It was great. I think your name at that point was Ahmed, wasn't it, or something? But anyway, here he is. This is, this is the young son. And the father sees him from a, a long way off and comes to him and, and wraps his arms around him and, and loves him. That's what the father does. What's the father doing right now? Where's all the voices? Where's all the voices? Where's all the, all, all the voices that are going, hey, this son dishonored you. This son took the inheritance. This son's been playing in the city with harlots. He's been eating with pigs. Come on, we want to stone him. The father went, no, you get off him. You're stoning no one today because this is my son. Do you understand me? Before anyone could ever get to him, the father's down the path. That's how much father loves us. Huh? That's how much he loves us. He's meant to bring the son to the elders. He's meant to tell them the story. And then the men of the city are going to pick up stones and stone him. You've heard this one before, haven't you? They were still doing it in Jerusalem. You remember the lady that was caught in adultery? Huh? Well, what did Jesus do there? Hey. No further. Stop. He was doing the exact self-sin. No. You're not getting close to her. She's mine. This far and no further. That's it. Go away. I love her. She's mine. So, despite his son's attitude and behavior, he protected his son from the penalty that was due him. And when the father ran to meet his son, he wrapped his arms around him. And yes, of course, he loved him, but he was saying so much more. Protection, provision, love, grace. You were with me. You were mine. He was saying all those things the moment that he did that. When he took that cloak, he was going, this is your identity. You are my son. Here is a cloak. I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to give you something that shows your identity. I'm going to give you a beautiful robe. I'm going to put a ring on, on your finger. You see, he did all the things that you need to know. You need to know about your security. You need to feel secure. And of course, you look to your husband, you look to your wife, you look for your kids, you look everywhere, but the father says, no, you are secure because you are mine. And I dress you. I dress you. I'm the one who puts a robe on you. You see, I've always said when people get married and, and that, that the bride and everyone, everyone goes, oh, she looks so beautiful. You know, and every, everyone's like, well, that really is how the Father sees you all the time. That. If you could capture that moment and go, how does Dad see me? Right there, that's the moment that you've got to capture and you've got to go, that's how he sees me every moment. I'm his. And he dresses me. And then he put a ring on his finger. And when this is signifying that you are in covenant with me, you are here together with me. We are together. Security, significance, esteem. He did it all in that moment. That's what you all need to know. It's what I need to know. Because otherwise we look everywhere else for it. But the father ran out. 
Wow, what a beautiful moment. <coughs> oh, I'm not sweating already. I'm up. <sighs> yeah, thanks. I just put this about the law. The law's the law. I, I once remember being with Nigel, and since he's not here, I can share. I was with, I was, I was with Nigel, and we were in the car, and we had a guy go past us at about, I don't know, 120 miles an hour or something. You know, and I, I wound the window down and went, whoa, come on, let's get him, whoa! <laughs> but we shot off after him, we pulled him over, and Nigel sat him in the back seat, and then he told him what he'd just done. He administered the law to him. And then he said, you're going to get this fine, you've got to appear there, this is what's going to happen. The law did exactly what the law needed to do. But this guy, when he got out of the car, and Ian might have experienced this when I... This guy, when he got out, guy, when he got out of the car, walked away with a smile on his face and said, thank you so much, officer, it was a pleasure to meet you. And he'd just gone through all that, I'll never forget it. But what Nigel did, is he administered law, but then, he took the heart of God, and actually surrounded him, in a grace, that was beyond the law. It was beautiful, never forget it. You see, the law itself doesn't feel. It just issues out judgment. The trouble is, the law does feel, as soon, if you have judgment in your own heart, when you receive the law, it's like the law actually gives life to the judgment inside you. And then you like to see someone suffer. Do you understand that? If you've got judgment, insecurity on the inside of you, and the law begins to work, there's something in you that begins to liven to the law, and you can actually enjoy the law. I mean, how many people are thinking, you know, well, we need hell. We need hell because there's some terrible people, and we want to see them burn. God didn't think like that. Do you understand me? God didn't make hell for people. God, it's not in his mind. God doesn't like the fire of hell. Do you understand me? It's not there. He doesn't have it in his mind. But somehow we go, well, it's a good job there's hell because we want to get rid of them and they need the fire of hell to deal with them. Ooh, woo. You understand me? That shows me that somewhere inside you, judgment is working. It's not a nice thing, is it? You go, well, hell exists. Well, yes, hell does exist, but for this reason, Jesus came that no one should perish. Huh? There's something in us that wants to punish ourselves and punish one another. But the Father's love is beyond. It's far beyond this. And somehow we have to when we, when we have that heart of Jesus, we have to begin to look at how Jesus really is. We, we have to begin to feel what Jesus really felt 
when he went into those places. We have to begin to feel it. Well, that's a little bit risky. Yes, it is risky. But we need to feel it. We need to experience what Jesus was actually feeling. What did he mean when he's saying this? Jesus is feeling this when he's talking about it. He's going, this is what my heart is. Of course, I receive publicans and sinners and prostitutes. Of course I do, because my heart is running down the path to them right now. Do you not understand that? That is the heart of God. That's what he's saying in this parable. He's trying to tell them what it is that motivates his own heart in what he's doing. That's a beautiful thing. That's why he's telling the story. Because they don't get it. He's not connecting with them because he's living on a different dimension. He's living in a different place and it's, it's freaking them out, man. They can't understand it. And Jesus is going, look, um, you see me, you see that this is how I am. I want to try and explain why I'm like this because the Father, who we are one together, is just like this. He's trying to help them understand who he really is. Don't you want to be like this? Oh, God, I want to be like this. Now, now listen to me. This does not mean... This, you, you understand me? The son, the younger son, when he came back, well, he, he needed to get closure on some of the old. He needed that. The father didn't need the repentance to ignite his love. Listen to me. It's... It's the wrong way around. The father didn't need the repentance to ignite his love. The father was full of love before the son even uttered one word. The love of the father was already there. The love of the father was spilling out over the fence, over the gate every day. Every day looking for his son. Where's my son? Where's the one that I love? The father did not have an issue with repentance. It wasn't anything to do with him. The son had to come and say, sorry. Because when you say sorry, you put a full stop behind the past. You put a full stop behind it and you go, I'm finished with it. There's something new and I want in. You understand me? The repentance was for the son, not for the father. Get it. Get a hold of it. Because if you don't get a hold of it, you got it the wrong way around. You think that your repentance somehow ignites the Father's heart. It doesn't ignite his heart. He loves you from the beginning. Before you ever got here. Before you ever got to this earth. He knew you. He saw you. He sees you as you walk along the canal path. He sees you as you walk along the river. He knows all about you. Singing his songs all over you all the time. The reason we say sorry is so that we can finish with the past and start into something new. If you don't do that, the book, the page is still open. And the things of the page start seeping into the next page. No, put a full stop. And then enter into the joy that the Father has always had. Beautiful. Good preaching this morning, isn't it? My Lord, there must be another inside me doing this. Hmm? I mean, that's the thing about God. He's undeniable, isn't he? He's undeniable. God's undeniable. And he's undeniable in us because he just takes over you. It's like, whew, where did that come from? Where did all that enthusiasm come from? Where, where's that coming from? 
It's taking over me. It's taking over you. But the reason is because he wants to take over us. You know, in a nice way, he wants to envelop us in his love. But you understand what we've done for so long? We've had it all the backward way around. The Father loves us all the time. All the time. The door is never closed. Never. It'll never be closed. It says that heaven's gates are open 24-7 the whole time. And this is when it's all sorted. This is when it's all sorted. What are they open for? I mean, just shut the gates now. Come on. Let's have a party. Shut the gates. No, they're open all the time. Why? Because that's the Father. He's open all the time to you and I. Beautiful. So, we've got to talk a little bit about the elder brother. Because, and I'm, I'm sure that you've talked about this before. So don't let this take anything away from what's already been given to you. But the elder brother, <clears throat> he's always been there. No doubt he's been working hard. He's faithful, obedient. And he's trying to please his dad. He's trying to do the right thing. A good son, obedient, faithful, hard-working, reliable, serving. He also knew what his brother had done. He'd taken his inheritance. He'd dishonored his mum and dad. He'd left him there to do all the work. He'd abandoned his family. And he'd lived in a wicked way. And, his, and the son knew it. The elder son knew it. And part of him, I think, was thinking... You know, it might be my brother, but actually he deserves a bit of just desserts, this guy. He deserves a bit of just desserts. Surely he can't just go and do that and there'll be no, there'll be no uh, punishment for him. Surely Father is not just going to receive him when he comes. But the Father did everything that that elder son didn't want him to do. Everything. In fact... The son was still working in the field and working so hard that he missed the invitation for the party. Can you imagine that? He's still out in the field and he hears the sound of music. He hears the sound that's coming, the father's having a party. He hears all this and thinks, what in all the world that, is that going on there? And a servant comes to him and tells him the truth. And this is what it says. Now, his older son was in the field working hard and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Oh, that felt like a song coming on there. Music and dancing. There's a little song, isn't there, about music and dancing? Oh, I just felt like going... Shame that I couldn't remember all the verses because I'd be singing it right now. But anyway, there we go. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him... Huh? Your brother has come and because he received him... Because that's what he does, he receives people. Do you receive people? Come on, do you receive people? Or are you a bit choosy? I'm a bit choosy about who I receive. I don't like that one, don't like that one. I don't know why I went in a camp voice then, but it would have been strange, wouldn't it? But, <laughs> but I'm, a bit, I'm a bit choosy about who I receive. Huh? You, is that a little bit about like you? You're a bit choosy about who you want to receive? Jesus won't choosy. He'd already chosen. And he chose us all. Isn't that beautiful? Because you're pretty awesome. And he chose you. And he receives you. He says, and he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. And in the back of his mind, he's going, fatted calf? Flipping fatted calf? 
My Lord, I've been, I've been feeding that beast for a while. I thought we were going to sell that one, make a bit of money. But he's actually, he's actually put, him on the, uh, put him on the spit and roasting him. But he was angry and would not go in. You see, all, all sorts of things were going around in his mind. Because in his own heart, there was judgment. In his own heart, he didn't see himself as the father saw him. That's the problem. You have judgment when you don't see yourself as the father sees you. You want to punish yourself when you don't see yourself as the father sees you. Because once you see yourself as he sees you, you can't punish yourself anymore. Because everything that he's done seems to say, punishment's all been dealt with. Everything's sorted. So what is that thing that wants to punish you inside? What is that thing that wants to punish someone else? Is that judgment about your own life? Is that how you really see yourself? You don't think you're worthy of this kind of love. You feel like you have to do something for it or work for it or earn it. But somehow inside you is a judgment. And this is what's going on with this man. There's a judgment inside him about himself. And even though he's been with the father all these years, and he knows exactly, or he knows it here what the father thinks, he doesn't actually know it here. And he, he says, um, but he was angry and would not go in, therefore his father, listen, who was it that came out to see him? Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. Notice it. I have been serving you. Not, Lo, these many years I've been here in this beautiful house together with you, Dad. And we've had a blast. No, all these years we've been together and I've been serving you. Okay, so, so now we get it. Now we get He's serving. He's got this serving mentality that just, it won't go away. But the whole point of serving, do you understand me? If you're a true son, you love the father and you know that you're meant to serve him. And you serve him because you love him. Not the other way around. Do you understand me? You got, it's the wrong way around again. You serve him because you love him. Because you can't do anything else because you see that he served you with his life. He gave his life to you in love. And when you hit that, you just know he loves me with everything that he is. Therefore, I am going to give everything to him, which means that I will serve him. But it comes out of love. It's not the other way around. Of course, Jesus serves the Father for eternity. But Jesus loves the Father, and his service comes out of that love. So he says, Lord, these many years I've been serving you, I never transgressed your commandment at any time. There we go. He's a lawful man. Man, he lives after the book. He's never transgressed any commandment at any time. And then he goes, yet you never gave me a young goat. He didn't mention a fatted calf. He just, he just said, you never gave me even a scrawny little goat. Can you feel it? Man, this guy inside, he's, he's got some trouble going on in there. It's real trouble, and it's because of judgment inside him. It's because of this infernal, never-ending sense of insecurity on the inside of him. And yet he's with the Father all the time. You were with the Father all the time. Jesus is with you all the time. And yet you insist on judging yourself. 
You insist on belittling yourself. And then you insist on being angry with other people who don't live like that. Who seem in your eyes to be living a reckless life, an abandoned life. And you think, but I've done everything right. I've done everything I could possibly do. And I've never transgressed. And yet he's been out there. He's lived this terrible life. He's eaten with the pigs. And you put on a celebration for him. And Jesus is going all the time, yeah, that's the Father's heart. Do you see the Father's heart? Get out of your judgment. Get out of the judgment. Get out of the law. Get out of the written words that keep going across your mind. Get out of it. Get out of it. And come out to me. Because I love you. And this is what I'm like all the time. When I see you. You see, we just don't get it. I, when I, you understand me, that's why I sweat so much. It's why I'm so profusely sweating right now because there's something in me that charges me because I, I, can't, I can't say it hard enough. You know, I can't say it, not hard enough, but I can't say it strong enough. I can't say it with enough gusto so that you really understand that he actually loves you. You understand me? My life's going out of me right now and this afternoon I'll probably be miserable and it's all on account of you. I know it's not like the Father, is it? Shasti just said, yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. But, but you understand me. Can, can you imagine if I'm enthused this much about you, and it's just little old me, just think, if just for one moment, the Father and Jesus could actually just appear in all the presence and the love and just overwhelm you. My Lord, you'd not be sat in your seats. You'd not be sacked, not for a moment, if you just got a little glimpse of how much he actually loves you. And how he's not, and when I say this, I don't mean he's not bothered about things that you do wrong, but it's you that makes it a big deal all the time. It's you that makes it a big deal. Do you understand me? It's not him that makes it a big deal, it's you that makes it a big deal. He went, he went you know what, that big deal that you keep making... I'm sick and tired of it. I took all that 2,000 years ago on the cross. It's gone. Bang. Why do you keep going to the dustbin man and asking him for the same rubbish back? Get rid of it. I joy over you. I love you. I sing over you. You're precious to me. Listen to this. Lord, these many years I have been serving you, I never transgress your commandment any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I, make, that I may make merry with my friends. But as, as for this son of yours, when he came, who was devoured your... Do you, do you feel it? Do you feel it? Oh, he's just reminding his dad. He's just reminding dad now of what the son just did. You see, the father's already well over that. He's not even thinking about that. It's not in his mind at all. He's looking at the gate and going, is that my son? Is that my son? I've been waiting for him for years and years. Is that my son? I cannot wait to get a hold of him. But, but the other son who's got this judgment and this insecurity inside him goes, goes well, Dad, I, I want you to remember what he's done. Because it stinks. And the father's going, you know what, son? It's not even in my memory. It's gone. It's gone. It's beautiful, isn't it? But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood, that was the inheritance. You see, he's getting it all in, and it's just a sentence. Are you a bit like that as well? Get it all in. 
Just one little sentence. Just one, one little sentence and you can bring someone's down, man. It's all it takes. Just one little sentence and that's your insecurity inside and your little, your little judgment thing going on. Just one sentence is all it takes for you to take the feet from someone. I tell you, this is, this, is what, this is what we're like as, as people without the grace. It stinks. It's awful. It's horrible. We look for ways to take each other down. Huh? Hi, son. Devoured your livelihood with harlots. Just thought I'd slip that one in there as well. Just so he realizes how bad it was. And, you, and then you killed the fatted calf for him. Man. This is what the father had done. He'd received him back, forgiven him, embraced him, dressed him. And then he'd initiated a celebration. It was all the father. All the father. The, the thing about this is, and I wrote it down here, the law not only wanted to punish the younger son, but the law was punishing the older son as well. Do you understand me? They were both getting punished by the law. And Jesus was going, there's something beyond the law. There's something beyond it. It's called love. It's called grace. It's called joy. It's called life. It's beyond the law. And we have to get beyond the law. Even today I hear Christians all over talking about the law. Talking about the Ten Commandments. Listen, I don't have any problem with the Ten Commandments. But let's get beyond the Ten Commandments. And, and I mean this. Beyond it in the way that we actually begin to love people. Instead of talking about the Ten Commandments, let's begin to love people. And have grace for people. And live in those two commandments that Jesus said. Because if we live there, we don't have to worry about anything else. Instead of going back all the time to that familiar place, the word that's, this is the word I need to, no, no, what you need is to get into love and grace and live in a different dimension. That's what you really need. And when you do, something inside you will begin to release and you will get to another dimension. And you really will begin to enjoy yourself. I can't explain it really, but it's, it's like you will actually begin to live an adventure in life. Because you'll be beyond. Just like Jesus was beyond. He went beyond the temple. He went beyond the law. Twelve years old, that was old. You understand me? Jesus went, I'm finished with all that. Father, I want to be doing what you're doing. That's what Jesus went. Twelve years old, he went, hey, I'm finished with all that. I fulfilled it all. Woo! I'm ready to go. Let's live. Let's party. Huh? That's where he was. He was out there, 12 years old. How many are some of us? How, many, how, how long have we been walking with Jesus? How long is it going to take us to get into this place in him? The law separates us. What was it that broke through all the barriers? The father's heart. Who was it that came to plead with the son? It was the father. Who was it that ran to the son? It was the father. Who was it that put the celebration on? It was the father. Neither of these sons understood the father's heart. Neither of them did. Even though one had been with him all the time. Didn't understand it. 
Listen, this is what he says. It's beautiful. Son, this is all that he said. One more. He said, son, you were always with me. And all that I have is yours. That, that was the father's response to the elder son. In other words, son, do you realize that you've been with me every minute of the day? And at any time, we could have killed the fired calf. At any time, we could have had a party. At any moment, it could have been there for you. But you were just serving. You were carrying on. I've been here all the time. My heart's been the same all the time. But it was you that decided not to engage in the Father's heart. Do you understand me? It wasn't the Father. The Father was saying, I'm here all the time, man. You want a party? Let's have a party. You want to go out? Let's go out. You want to do an exploit? Let's do an exploit. Whatever you want to do, I'm with you. We're together forever, me and you. What a beautiful answer. Wasn't it a beautiful answer? Look at that, you see. Kids love this stuff, don't they? They just love it. Don't you like this, Dan? It's beautiful, isn't it? He loves it. Loves it. He's eating it up. Because they have Jesus. Yes. Amen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it is. It is, my man. All because of Jesus. Righteousness, royalty, and riches. That's what you already have. You have it. He's already given you it. He loves you. And you've just got to say, Father, thank you for that love. Come on, just say it with me, Father. Thank you for that love. Thank you for that love, Father. And I want to run to you, Father, with open arms. With open arms, Lord. And any judgment that's found to be in my heart, Father. Insecurity, Father, any of it. I'm asking that you would take it, Father. Take it out of this life of mine. Take it out of my mind. Take it, Father. Fear, take it. Perfect love casts out all fear. Father, we love you and we love this, we love this parable. And Jesus, I suppose people have been looking at that parable for thousands and thousands of years, Lord. But it's a fantastic picture. And we just ask, Lord, that we could catch the Father's heart more and more, Lord. And that we could meet people in love and grace. And yes, Lord, you will tell us how to speak the truth. But we want to learn to meet you in love and in grace, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. And let's just pray. If there's anyone in this room who don't yet know Jesus, let's just, let's just, just keep your eyes closed. Is there any, anyone that doesn't know Jesus in this house? Anyone? Okay, well, that's good that everybody knows. But Father, we just pray. <laughs> you know him. We just pray, Father, right now that all of us, Lord, in our hearts, Father, we say yes to you. We say yes to that love. We say yes to you, Jesus, and all that you have done for us, Father. We bless you and we love you. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.